Welcome to Day 309 of Shaped by the Word. I'm Paul Kemp here with Matthew Kresge and Katie Kresge. Uh, we continue through the Gospel of John. Uh, we ended on a really high note last week, uh, coming into John 4, which is one of the richest sections of Scripture as Jesus goes to Samaria and has a conversation with a woman beside the well and uh, reveals you know, to her that he is the source of living water and whoever drinks of this water I will never go thirsty again. Mm-hmm. And then she asked him a question about worship. And she says, worship is about to change forever. And matter of fact, it already has changed. It's not about whether you worship on Mount Gerizim or whether you worship in Jerusalem, but whether you worship in spirit and truth. And the woman is intrigued by you know, his take on worship. And he says, when the Messiah comes, he will reveal all things. And Jesus says, I who am speaking to you am he. And uh, that's exactly where we left off last week. Just as he says this, the disciples return, and so that's where we'll pick up on this week. And as, as Matt said on Friday, it's one of those unfortunate sure. kind of divisions in the text because the story continues to build, and it's such a rich story. Mm-hmm. So before we continue with Jesus in the city of Sychar, as many Samaritans come to believe him, let's uh, offer ourselves in this moment to the Lord. Matt, you mind lifting yeah. us up in prayer? Father, we thank you for um, this time together in your word again. Um, thank you that you are gracious to reveal yourself both in the person of Christ and through your word. And as we do read together, Father, would you fill us with wisdom, with awe, with, uh, with, a, with a reminder of who you are and, and what you've done. Father, would our lives be transformed by it. Uh, thank you for the technology that enables all this to happen, that we get to read um, together as your body. Um, so, Father, would you edify us through this? Um, use your spirit uh, to accomplish your means in us. Father, we thank you for the grace we have in Christ. Mm-hmm. Be with us now. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm. John chapter 4, verse 27. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town, and they made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. Until you open your eyes and look at the fields, they're ripe for harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I've sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefit of their labor. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. He stayed two days, and because of his word, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. After the two days, he left for Galilee. Now Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for they had also been there. Once more he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told them, you'll never believe. The royal official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. 
Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that the boy was living. When he acquired us to the time when his son got better, they said to him, Yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. This was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judah to Galilee. Nice uh, finish to the story, uh, especially where the disciples come to Jesus and they confirm everything the woman had already said. Uh, you know, why are you talking to me, you a Jew and me a Samaritan, and, and you a man and me a woman? And even the disciples are surprised that uh, this kind of interchange is taking place. Of course, they dare not ask Jesus about it because Jesus just tends to do what Jesus will tend to do. And uh, But it is significant that uh, he had a conversation with this woman. Not only was he restoring you know, Israel by bringing you know, Samaritans together with uh, the Jews, but he was also bringing huge dignity to this woman who had lost all dignity through sin. So it's an incredible, uh, incredible chapter. So as you guys read this, what are some of the things that uh, stand out? I love the genuine nature of her evangelism, <laughs> just running back into town. And it's not that she had to have a certain plan of what to say. She just shared what happened and what, um, I mean, he had told her everything she'd ever done so she had experienced a miracle she had experienced um exposure um in a lot of ways but the kind of exposure that that jesus brings which is a grace-filled exposure and um and i love that her evangelism her sharing just what had happened brought people to see him and then they had their own experience of him and I love that John includes what they said to her that it's not just because of what she said but because of their experience with him that they know that he's a savior I love that and, and just have to love the little thing that you know John adds in there that she left the water jar mm-hmm. she forgot every reason that she had yeah. come you know to, to, to grab you know water and take it down she beca- I guess kind of like us leaving our cell phone behind or something <laughs> like that and, uh, she was so caught up in the moment and what had happened and of course Jesus hadn't told her everything she had ever done but he knew the big truth of her life mm-hmm. and he knew you know the well that she had gone to time and time again in order to find you know fulfillment and grace and and love and acceptance and it had never worked out for her the way that she thought it would and so he invites her to have water of which if she drank she would never thirst again and of course we talked about this on friday just a a deep reminder of jeremiah's you know opening words when god says to israel my people have committed two sins Uh, they have forsaken me uh, the living water and they have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that will never hold water. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jesus has reintroduced himself as the very title that God had mm-hmm. for himself, the living water. Mm-hmm. And he also says, whoever drinks of this will never thirst, which is a big theme in John, how deeply satisfying the life is that we find uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it takes us back. Sorry, I don't want to cut you off, Matt, but I still have more to say. Um, it takes I get used us- to this. <laughs> That's um, never happened before. <laughs> <laughs> never. It takes us back to that scene in Exodus when Moses strikes the stone, right? And living and water comes out and it points us towards this living water who is Jesus. So I love um I just love seeing Jesus more and more fulfilling what 
um, was showing us the shadows that were pointed towards him. No, if there is one of the benefits to this chapter break is being able to see the emphasis on believing, you know, right after Jesus declares <coughs> the one that's speaking to you, I am he, you know, John's already told us, and you've mentioned this in our podcast, but you know, John's purpose statement is that we would believe wow. you know, in Jesus. And, and so right after he reveals himself as the one, I am the Messiah, I am he, you see the woman believes, you see the Samaritans believe. And then you see, even, I love his little kind of emphasis on the, um, the official, you know, it says, unless you people see signs and wonders, which John's told us, I'm going to show you and demonstrate a bunch of signs, not for the signs in themselves, but so that you may believe. Once that transition happens where he sees the signs and wonders and realizes, oh yeah, Jesus healed this man right at the time he said, it says, so he and his whole household believed. Mm-hmm. You know, so you have early on, I mean, John's not waiting until the end of his gospel to say, what are you going to do? He reveals the identity of Jesus and then says, well, what are you going to do? Because the proper response, as we see it in this whole second half of chapter four, is that we may believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and John builds his whole, you know, uh, his whole narrative around eight different signs and yeah. seven different I am sayings. Uh, and we'll be introduced to those this week. And there's a difference in John between seeing the signs and seeing the signs. Mm-hmm. There are those who see them, you know, just on the surface is, is, is clearly miraculous, you know, um, miraculous workings or miraculous gifts from God. But they don't see the deeper reality of what they're pointing yeah. to. Mm-hmm. And it is the more they see the deeper reality, you know, that this man really is the Messiah. And you have to love the word that uh, John uses here that the Samaritans come to believe, you know, uh, not simply that he is the Messiah, but he is the Savior of the world. And that is a big theme in John uh, because the world is everything that is hostile to God, you know, in the Gospel of John. Uh, But Jesus has come to uh, not just be the Messiah of the Jews, but to be the Savior of the world. And he's already reuniting Israel as he brings the Samaritans and, and, and the Jews. Uh, or the new northern ten tribes and the southern two tribes back together, you know, through the gospel. But he is also there uh, to take this hope and take this message to yeah. the rest of the world and restore the world. And, and we see that, you know, when the disciples come back and they say, hey, you need to eat. And he says, my, my food, I have food you don't know about. It's to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And then he tells him to look out. And he says, you know, look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Mm-hmm. And you just get, you know, if he's looking around and saying, here we go, here's the fields. You know, they're in Samaritan country. This isn't, you know, here, here are your people. Mm-hmm. It's here again, just that reminder of he is the savior of the world. And, mm-hmm. and the fields are ripe for harvest. And, and of course, you know, Jeremiah does say, and my people will be united under one shepherd. And he is talking about, uh, you know, the Jews and Samaritans being reminded as one, as one people under one shepherd and one king. And there's also this nice you know, little statement in Amos where he talks about, you know, the days of fulfillment uh, when the harvest will be so pl- you know, plentiful in Israel that no sooner, you know, have you sown the seed that you start reaping and the reaper, you know, catches up with the, you know, with the sower. And you get that idea as well here is there's an incredible harvest that many have worked for. And of course, mm-hmm. he's talking about all the prophets and John and the message, you know, of Christ, you know, coming uh, to this point. So it is a, a really rich. You have a different kind of encounter with the official son here. It's not the same as the centurion 
who says, Jesus, you don't even, I'm not even worthy to have you come under my house, but if you say the word, I'm a man under authority and I understand this. This guy's pushing a little bit harder. He, he doesn't have as much faith. And initially, it's as you've already pointed out, Matt, his, his confidence is in what he has seen Jesus doing and his ability to heal. He has not seen exactly uh, what that indicates about who Jesus is and about what God is doing you know, through the person of Jesus. So he moves from something that's a very big part of John, from a superficial faith to a, a more genuine faith that includes, as we see uh, many times in, in Acts, his whole household mm-hmm. you know, comes to a place where they believe. So why do you think that Jesus went ahead and healed the son while the father was with him? Is it to strengthen his faith? Like, I mean, <laughs> well, and, <laughs> of course, Jesus does what Jesus yeah. does know, because Jesus does what I Jesus mean, does. Right. But it is, you know, his way of uh, what's interesting in this is, is the initial rebuke, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the initial rebuke, you know, rather than, you know, usually we're used to Jesus responding in a bit of a bit of compassion. And he's saying you, you, you won't believe unless you see a sign. Mm-hmm. And of course, the, uh, you know, the prologue I and mean, not the prologue but the, the ending of the book tells us these signs are written so that you might believe and, and so that probably is you know the emphasis that he could go beyond superficial belief in a miracle to a deeper belief you know in christ mm-hmm. uh, but uh, jesus knows how to work exactly with who he is you know working mm-hmm. with in order to bring about uh you know the result that he desires or the one that the father the father desires mm-hmm. and so even though you see many similar accounts or encounters of, of Jesus, uh, the, there's a lot of difference in them. And of course, Jesus works with different people in different ways, with you know different you know different messages. So sometimes he's talking about bread of life. The other times he's talking about uh, water, you know, of which no one will thirst. Another time he's talking about you know being a good shepherd yeah. and the sheep hearing his voice. So his message takes a lot of Old Testament images and it brings them down in a very personal way you know to the people that he's dealing with to meet their need in in the moment through the gospel and that's what john does so well in this section is to to help us consider what are we going to do with jesus's word you know because it says that many samaritans believed according to the woman's testimony but when they came to him they urged him to stay and because of his words you know many more became believers and then this official comes up and says, you know, begs Jesus, you have to heal my son. And, and all of a sudden Jesus says, no, go, your son will live. And the man took Jesus at his word yeah. and departed. And, and I think the same is true for us. You know, what will we do? Will we take Jesus at his word? What, what do we do with who he is and what he said? You know, are we still kind of like the unbelieving generation that longs to see signs and wonders before we will ever believe? Or sees mm-hmm. Jesus on a very superficial level, yeah. mm-hmm. on a much deeper level of uh, what, he is, you know, what he is doing. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a common you know, thread you, you find here as well, is whenever Jesus is talking about deep spiritual truth, people are taking him in a very common way. You know, mm-hmm. give me that water so I don't have to come yeah. here. Mm-hmm. Or did somebody buy him some food? And when he's talking about my food, and boy, boy what a rich... We didn't spend a whole lot of time there, <laughs> but what a rich thing to find that the deepest satisfaction in life comes not from the physical food we have, but from knowing and doing and completing you know, God's plan and purpose for us or God's will for us. Mm-hmm. So John is rich, and so there's going to be a lot of stuff left on the table yeah. as we go through, as as was the case with Paul, and as was the case with Matthew, and as was the <laughs> case with the Mark. It's a trend, right? <laughs> yes, it is a trend, but uh, we have come to the end. Katie, do you mind closing us with a word of prayer?
Father, thank you for these words. Thank you for these accounts that we can read um, and and be changed by um, because of the power of your spirit at work in us. And um, so would you use these words and um, these truths and would you continue to transform us? Um, would they be so real to us that, that we aren't just readers of the word but doers of the word also? And um, Lord, would, would you help us to trust you and help us to see um, see you for more than what you do, but for who you are and all the rich ways that you have um, just led your people so, so graciously and gently um, and boldly. And would you help us to trust you, God? It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.